0: would bring the young people, the the survivors of the right, to the center of town, put them up high, and the whole town would be there because the whole town depended on the
1: young people to survive. Hi everybody, this is Mark Cadell, and you're listening to Little Big Voices from Austin, Texas. My guest today is Don Hale. He was a West Texas boy who headed to college on a music scholarship, majored in theater, and then later studied for his master's in interdisciplinary technology. After graduation, Don worked as a movie actor and taught several theater companies in Los Angeles. He eventually moved back to Texas where he wrote, produced, and directed children's musicals and created a touring theater company. Don taught language arts, history, and theater to middle school and high school students for over 25 years, during which he took hundreds of students on pilgrimages to his CC Italy. He is currently a certified academic coach, his mission to help students co-create and reach their academic goals. He serves and has for over 20 years as a youth director for a church in Austin, Texas, where he guides the youth program leads youth pilgrimages to the Lama Foundation in New Mexico, and oversees the Youth Rite of Passage program. He just returned from his own 500 mile Camino Santiago pilgrimage walk in Spain. Today, we'll be visiting with Don on topics he's very passionate about, including rites of passage, pilgrimages, and the Hero Shiro journey. Hang tight, y'all. This will be cool, I promise. I like that you're in the hot seat for once. It's kind of fun. <laughs> you want to explain why that's uh, particularly fun no, for you? Right no, well, I'll just... <laughs> There's a warn, history here, folks. There's a history here. I'll just warn our <laughs> listeners that if you're... I always say if you're within five working feet of Don Hale, <laughs> something's going to happen. And it's usually some kind of opportunity or growth or it's just one of your gifts, Don. So that's why I've, I've, I have that... Um, that, that desire to be near you and also a little worried. <laughs> I have questions that I just don't understand. I'd like to start with those. What's the difference, for instance, between rites of passages and pilgrimages and the hero's she wrote journey? Um,
0: well, there's not always a difference, in my opinion. A rite of passage is a consciously chosen way to proceed forward through an ordeal or a set of circumstances that are specifically created and then consciously taken in by not only the participant or the the initiate, but also those putting the right on or creating it that facilitates an opening in the veil between this world and the world of the imagination or the imaginal world. For many young people, um, for most, let's say, this is their first introduction to the reality that their imagination comes from an actually real place, as
1: real as the place they inhabit in their five sense body. Could you describe adolescence and your observations of adolescence over time? I work with adolescents. So I tell them that
0: you are no longer a child because you have learned that the world is not black or white. And that pisses you off. It pisses all of us off when we learn that, that we're no longer children because our mommy and daddy are perfect. And when we first find out that they're not, That shakes the whole paradigm because that introduces gray, that introduces ambiguity. Adolescence is learning how to live with ambiguity. Adulthood is the acceptance of ambiguity. Adolescence was not even a term until the 50s because you were turned 13, you got a job. And then all of a sudden people in the 50s started going to high school, staying in high school, going to college. So this expanded. And so did the... um, spiritual aspect of humanity. It's shifting along with adolescence. They say now that the brain is continuing to grow, at least in males, until they're 30. And, and, and by definition, that's one way of saying that we are adolescents now, till we're 30. It's expanding. And the good thing about that is, as long as you're an adolescent, you are creative, you're open, you're, you're energetic, and you're excited about life doesn't mean you can't be as an adult, but if that's been integrated into your adulthood, now you are using it the way
1: you wanna use it instead of having it use you. What's a popular story, myth, movie that you would use to illustrate that? (laughs) Well, that's the one I've been using for 30 years, I guess.
0: is it 30 years, 25 years anyway, uh, The Matrix. It's brilliant. And of course, it's Plato's cave, allegory, writ, modern, that the world that we inhabit is a veil that's been pulled over our eyes, and yet we don't know that it's there. We have every reason to believe, because it's all our five senses, attest to the reality of this veil, that it is it is real. But there's this always this niggling this um, wondering even, this hard to describe voice, um, pain or pain even within that's calling us somewhere else. Where is this voice? Where is this voice? Where does it come from? And if you ask that question, you can never go back. That's the call to adventure. The adventure being into the unknown. The original rites of passages, usually, you know, in indigenous cultures, you didn't get a choice. You you had to go through them. So that's different from today, obviously, and uh, from the matrix, because you get offered the opportunity at best, because there's somebody there set up to take you through it. You know, so many today, especially, that might feel this call and wonder about it it may not have anybody around them who believes it or knows what they're talking about. And so that's why it's amazing to to have what I've been a part of for the past 20 years here at at our church, um, which is a rite of passage program. And we invite uh, graduating seniors and and those that have graduated of a certain age. The ideal age, and I think it still is, is 13. But Today, with the way the, our culture is and the way the world is, it just works out better that the, the line between childhood and adulthood becomes much more clear as you graduate from high school. And we're really competing, not really, but that, as an example, we're competing with the high school graduation rite of passage. And you think about your high school graduation. If it was anything like mine, it was not healthy. Well, the whole rite of passage of high school itself, which it is, is not in my opinion is not very healthy um, and the the difficulty of for me it, having been doing this for a long time is to see how today especially th- things have changed to such a degree, especially when the original way was to put them through a a, a designed adventure or ritual or ordeal that brought them face-to-face with their own mortality. That's the ultimate f- purpose of a rite of passage, quite frankly, in my opinion. It is, as one person put it, uh, to make peace with your own mortality. Because in the ancient cultures, if you, didn't, if you didn't have a healthy relationship with your own death, then you were still a child. The rites have always been Carried out and designed by the elders in the tribe or in the culture. And they would come back to the village and everybody would drop what they were doing. They would bring the young people, the the survivors of the right, to the center of town, put them up high. And the whole town would be there because the whole town depended on the young people to survive. And they depended on the young people to know what their gift was because invariably... The, the, the insights that these young people got into what their gift was, was exactly what the culture, the town, the tribe needed in order to survive.
1: That's the importance of knowing who we are. We all need to know what we're here to do. Is it too late for someone in their 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s to have the right?
0: Unless you become like a child, you cannot enter. We can all work toward that, and in fact, perhaps we, we we in fact we know it's called the midlife crisis. There's a thinning in the veil, and it can scare the hell out of you if you're not part of the tradition that knows what this is. But if there's someone there that can say, "No, no, this is a gift," you know, this this unknowing, this fear, this this existential crisis you're going through, if you distract yourself from the feeling of existential crisis or the discomfort of not knowing if what you've done in your life has been worth anything, then that's going to lead you toward unhappiness. But if you choose instead to go inward, to be still and be quiet and ask yourself the question, what is this feeling trying to, Teach me or show me or tell me. This is the way in to that childlike quality
1: because that childlike quality is our essence. Now let's talk about pilgrimages. How do they relate or differ? A rite of passage, like we were talking about, is an individual
0: or a group, but everybody, the group's having their own individual experience. But the pilgrimage is within. And so most of the pilgrimages, when we talk about a pilgrimage, my pilgrimage to Assisi, to Lama, to Santiago, are in this world. And you're walking or you're going to a place that a holy person has made sacred. So the purpose of the pilgrimage is to go and share the space, the energy, the vibration of a holy person. Now, That's where they can be the same, and that's where they can be different as well. Because the rite of passage, usually you're being directed to do something, the next piece.
1: And in a pilgrimage, the next piece is unknown. You just returned from a pilgrimage to Camino de Santiago, a 500-mile walk in Spain. Tell me about that.
0: I got up every morning at five, still dark, do my, my morning ablutions. Then I do my devotion. Then I hit the road not knowing where I'm going to eat, not knowing where I'm going to sleep, not knowing what the terrain is going to be, not knowing what the weather's going to be, just putting the next foot in front of the next one and have no idea of what the day will hold. So it's a complete unknown. The trail had not been open really for business in a year and a half, and so it was slowly reopening. The first few days we couldn't find very much food, and there were very many places to stay. And so that was our that was our introduction to the to the Camino was, um, really hot, wet, meaning sweating. It was difficult. It was a definite ordeal. I have Parkinson's as well, which was something that I didn't realize until we got there that my brother actually, I don't, I don't know really what he'll say his reason for going was, but he wanted to make sure that he was there to help me get to Santiago if I needed it. I didn't know that at the time. But sure enough, about day four or five, with the difficulties, I kind of hit the wall. Um, and because of his angelic, saintly... <laughs> being, I was able to look within myself and see the fear. And so that's the ultimate wish, right? For a pilgrimage you write a passage. In me, I'm talking about my fear, but who am I? The fear is what keeps us from seeing who we are. So if I can see my fear and uh, recognize it and, and neutralize that, then what's behind the fear is who I am. And who I am is
1: light, and infinite potential and possibilities. So for those of us who may never be able to go to Spain and on that pilgrimage, how do we travel on a pilgrimage in other ways for the same effect? We are, and that is my,
0: I'm I'm packing as, as I get back. And my message is, We're all called and this is where a pilgrimage and a rite of passage and a hero's journey are all the same. You don't go unless you're called and we are all called all the time. I love that about the Matrix movie. If you watch the beginning of the movie, how count the number of calls Neo gets before he finally (laughs) shows up in that room with Neo, I mean, with with Morpheus. And then he gets another one when he's handed the choice of the pills. Those are all calls, literal calls on the telephone, right? What's the very first thing when you meet Neo? Wake up, Neo. I mean, it's just too obvious, right? And he keeps not answering his call, or he does, he keeps moving forward or rejecting it. Um, so it's not a fate accompli, right? I mean, you get the call doesn't mean you're going to automatic. You're going to end up taking it. So many times, as we get older, the call diminishes. It never really stops, but we just get so many other other layers. That's one reason I love layers. The onion, the skin, gets thicker and it's harder not only to hear it, but then when you do hear it, start asking, it's, getting, it, it's hard for you to reach through that thickness. That's why I do a lot of work with masks with young people because the mask is essential to survive in this world that we have created. But the extremely important thing for young people to be told as soon as possible is that they are not their mask and they can take it off. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, that mask. Right, it, it gets so thick. And if you've ever put a mask on, especially if you've ever put made one on your face, when you layer it on, you can feel, you can initially feel, you still feel your face, but as it hardens, the big difference is you touch the mask, you can't feel your face anymore. Therefore, there's something between you and your feeling capacity. And if you want to feel, you have to take off your mask. And that's roles that we play. That's names we've given ourselves. That's all the, the different things that, can, that get between us and who we truly are. And that's the fear. We wear that mask because it's a shield. And it's vital that we need it or we wouldn't survive. But like a shield, we don't sleep with it, ideally. We don't eat with it. We don't do all the other things we do in life. We take it, we put it down, and we can use it when we need it. What are some of your masks? Oh, my goodness. Um, certainly, my uh, wishes and wants and desires, um, and my desires specifically to influence people to like me or to want to be around me. That's, that's, and any sort of manipulatory manipulation. Of my surroundings, to get what I want, what it wants, what the what my this, this mask has its own life now and it wants, so when I take the mask off, I realize i 'm so that 's freedom
1: because i don 't want anything we 've talked about rites of passages and pilgrimages. What about the hero 's Shiro journey? All the stories we tell about the males are not about men
0: archetypically, really archetypically, but um, but about the masculine and the feminine. So it doesn't matter really these days, we can see this. It's, it doesn't matter what equipment you were born with in your body. It's where do you identify or what what is mo- motivating you? Usually there is a, a call, like I said, then the hero needs to, find their path. So I love this part because this is the part where you have to know who you are. So from call to the second part of the journey, in my experience, in my viewpoint, is usually the longest segment because you have to answer the call by finding out who you are, which means you have to dismantle so much or dig down and let go of so much. Because right there where you find who you are, you find why you're here. That becomes your path. Why? Because you're the only one who can do it. And in the matrix, of course, this is where Neo says, because I know I can bring him back. Then once you know your path, you're on it. Nothing's gonna stop you. But you come up against your first obstacle. You gotta get started. And that means you've gotta have some information. You know, how do you get into the labyrinth, the gates? And before you open the gates, you have to make sure you're capable of actually walking the labyrinth. So you've got to go through some trials and tribulations so that you've got some skills that are going to come in necessary. So that's the heart of the labyrinth. And this is where the the thing that is impossible has to be accomplished. This is the chasm, the bottomless pit that has to be crossed, that cannot be crossed, and then it gets crossed and that's what makes the hero shiro a hero shiro somehow they've become one with who they are and that special gift enables them to do what no one else can do and neo of course sees the code he stops the bullets morpheus tells him earlier in the movie you won't need to dodge those bullets you won't need to right and it was though that simple act of saying no to the bullets that are coming toward him and he looks at the bullets and he t- and I said, I saw words those are words or any sort of impression coming toward me. I can choose, first act of freedom, to let them come in and do their damage to me, which I was taught to do. Or I can actually go, whoa, hold on, what is this? I can, these are just words they cannot hurt me. And then, of course, when you've done the impossible, you have to take some time in solitude to recognize I can't explain how I did that. I didn't do it, I was actually an instrument which brings about humility. If you're humble and full of humility, you're never forgetting that
1: you are an instrument of a higher source. In the right, there are blessings by the elders. What one or two sentence blessing would you have for a teacher?
0: I wish for you the experience that leads to complete knowing that all is well. That despite appearances to the contrary, everything is perfect.
1: A young parent. It's going to be okay. An 18 year old. Never give up. Someone wondering what their pilgrimage might be. Listen, go
0: inward, go in. Why are you here right now where you are? Why did you come to this place? A newborn. Thank you for saying yes.
1: Someone in fear. Dance. Someone lonely. Look at yourself in the mirror. Someone happy. Gratitude. Someone looking for where they belong ask for help help is near nearer than you can imagine nearer than your breath and finally what's the blessing for yourself i wish to know acceptance thank you for the pilgrimage today and blessings on your journey god bless you mark and all your listeners and thank you for this opportunity for me to hear Little Big Voices creates human connection and understanding by listening. If you'd like to join the community and support the cause, please visit littlebigvoices.com. For as little as $2 a month, you'll help support and celebrate the little and big voices in us and around us. In return, you'll receive cool gifts, exclusive content, access to live interviews, a peek behind the scenes, and most of all, the opportunity to help shape the program with your ideas and feedback. The opinions, views, and advice expressed by guests of Little Big Voices are exclusively theirs and do not necessarily represent those of the producers. Please see the show notes for more information around today's podcast. And always remember, your voice matters.